Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host, and we have a very important topic today. I cannot wait to share my guest with you. But before we go into introducing her, I'm using a quote that I love and I've always loved, but I actually refound again in her book. It's by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I love this quote, and I am very excited to introduce our guest today. Anne-Marie Schrouder has spent more than 20 years in the field of diversity and inclusion as a facilitator, consultant, and international speaker. A diversity and inclusion expert with a master's in bias awareness, Anne-Marie assists in the creation of healthy workplace communities through her signature methodology and inclusive leadership program. Organizations turn to Anne-Marie when they are looking to build environments where people can learn and are supported and where they are seen, heard, and valued. Anne-Marie works with diversity broadly and specializes in racial equity, and she's passionate about healing the racial divide. She also delivers presentations and can be booked for speaking engagements that inspire people to see more and raise awareness from the importance of inclusion. Now, I met Anne-Marie at an evolutionary business conference in Texas, and she was on this amazing panel that opened up the most impactful raw conversation on racism and inclusion that I had experienced to date. And, um, then after that, I came to her for advice on my recent TED Talk about generational patterns and bias. She's amazing. So welcome, Anne-Marie. I am so excited to have you here on the show with us today. Hi, Heather. I'm really pleased to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Before I jump into questions on your new book, which is extraordinary, is there any background that you would like to share with the audience to kind of get them up to speed? Hmm. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, well, I, what I like to tell people, um, what I'm presenting is that, you know, I came to diversity and inclusion work through teaching. Mm -hmm. I was an elementary school teacher first it was my one, my first big career. And, um, and that's where I learned about inclusion from a professional vantage point, how important it was to create spaces where people feel valued and seen and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as you know, as we'll, we'll talk about, because uh, that's what the book is about, I'm, I'm biracial. And if you could see me, I'm making little quotation marks, because I'm, as you know, on a mission to make sure people know that race is a social construct and right. something someone made up. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, and your work is so very important. And I know that from, from having just experienced the book pre-launch, um, that it, that it's very close personal to you in your heart. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that with us here today. I loved the book. It's incredibly well-written, moving, and a call to awareness for leaders of change. Um, if you could script out the effect that you'd like it to have on people, what would that look like? What would it be? Oh, wow. Oh, 
Well, one of my taglines is see more. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other tagline for my business is from the inside out. And so, you know, what I hope people will walk away from this book is, is with a feeling of seeing more, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, digging a little bit deeper, uh, raising their level of awareness about issues around race and belonging. And then because of that, being open, willing, maybe feel more able to start or have a conversation about race and racism and belonging. That's mm -hmm. my hope because we need to have conversations about this. We need to hear from each other and learn from each other in order to move the needle forward in a powerful way. I think that that is really, really important because we were so afraid to open the lines of communication. And that was one of the things that I most loved about that conversation at EBC is that it was so open to whatever anyone was feeling because we can't move forward and learn unless we're willing to open those lines of communication. Love, love, love that. Um, the title of Anne-Marie's book is Being Brown in a Black and White World, Com Conversations for Leaders on Race, Racism, and Belonging. Now, within the book, you use the word polarized, the mm. us versus them mentality that is rampant. Can you give us some more information on this and maybe a story to demonstrate? Sure. So, yeah, I think, you know, in addition to the question you asked me earlier about what I would hope people would take away is, is the moving away from the either or to the both and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I mean when I when I talk about polarization around race is 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 exactly this me versus you, us versus them. And, and we can see it in other identities, too. Race is not doesn't have its own. little. It's not the only place that we can see this. Mm -hmm. But. But what happens is we separate ourselves, right? The, the polarization means I have to be on a different side than you. I have to be far away from you. I can't, we cannot connect. And so this work around that I do around inclusion and, and belonging is, is requires connection, requires that we see each other, requires that we, that we um, get to know each other better and listen to each other's stories. And so when I think of the word polarization, if I close my eyes, what I see, first of all, is that, you know how magnets, you can't get them together. If you, mm -hmm. if you hold the, the, the right side and I yeah. can't remember which not right, right now. <laughs> I can't <there>. either, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. But they'll move away from each other. And, mm -hmm. and we've been taught because of systemic racism to, to stay separate. Yes. Yeah, we've been taught to stay separate. And so um, we see that, you know, real life examples in where people live in, in communities and how cities have pockets of not just people who are with different color skin, but pockets of cultures. Mm -hmm. We gravitate towards people like us. That's a human tendency. But what we also want to do is build bridges so that we can connect with people who are not like us. Mm, I love that. So that we can build bridges so that we can connect with people that are not like us. Mm. I think that is incredibly important. And, and you're right. Um, even though this is a very important conversation right now, that polarization is in so many areas of life and so many different capacities right now. I think that we're more separate than ever before. And, and my goal, one of my goals is, is connection and helping to connect people. And this, this is an important conversation to make sure that, that we're taking those steps to bridge that gap. I love that. Um, Let's talk about microaggressions. Mm. 
<clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain for our audience what that term means and how it shows up and how we might be able to reduce that? Absolutely. Um, microaggressions are, I don't know why they call them micro because they're very impactful, right? They yeah. hurt a lot, but they're, they're comments, actions, slights. Um, there's different, there's actually different, different words within microaggressions. There's micro invalidations. Um, there's my, I'm not going to remember them all now that you're asking me. Micro invalidations uh, is one of them. So I'll, I'll start with that. Mm -hmm. They are different, seemingly small, often unconscious, but can also be conscious um, ways that, that devalue, demean, and make someone understand that they are other with a capital mm -hmm. O, that they don't belong. So that could be a slur, right? Which is what I mean by the, the conscious, right? Yes. Oh, it could be the way that we overlook somebody in a meeting. Um, that could be unconscious. Um, and and they're so, so when we're talking about racial microaggressions, they are in there, they're so much a part of the culture of systemic racism um, that teaches us that human beings have, are perceived to have different value based on the color of their skin. Right. That's that's the concept of white supremacy. You may remember us talking about that at the EBC. Yeah. The ladder, right. Mm -hmm. So white supremacy as a concept, not the people with the pointy hats. Yeah. Um, although they've there are hate groups, obviously, that take on the concept and make it a part of their identity. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but white supremacy is is about whiteness being supreme and therefore the belief that the lighter your skin the more value you have, and therefore the darker your skin, the less value you have. And so racial microaggressions, um, their, their purpose is to remind people of their place on that color ladder mm -hmm. and, of, and correspondingly of the value that that color ladder um, suggests. Mm -hmm. Saying that it's, that, that it's accurate, but that's, what, that's wrapped into um, white supremacy. And so, you know, when somebody touches a, a, a black woman's hair, um, because they're curious, you know, without permission, that's a microaggression. And some people might say, you know, what's the big deal about touching somebody's hair? Well, if you think about it in the context of systemic racism, where, where you know, for, for many, many generations, Black individuals in North America were considered property, it takes mm -hmm. on a whole new meaning, right? Yes. Um, and so little things like that, quote unquote, little things, I'm, I'm making air quotes, right? Right, right. Like that, um, things that we say, like those people, right? Mm -hmm. um, where are you from? Not genuine interested in, you know, your background, but where are you from? Suggesting that because of how I look, I don't, I'm not Canadian, right? I can't be Canadian. I must be from somewhere else. Those are all examples of microaggressions that, that, re that are meant to remind people and again, many of them are unconscious, but we're, we're swimming in this soup of systemic racism that, that teaches us how to value people. Yeah. And so how do, we, how do we sort of get ahead of those? The, the very, very first thing, no surprise probably, Heather, is that we need to be aware of them. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware of what they are. We need to be aware of the impact um, and the message that our words hold. You know, when I, when I hear where are you from, I don't hear 
and, and again, tone is important, context is important, relationship with the person is important, but I don't hear genuine interest in, in who I am in the world. I hear, you don't belong here. You must be from somewhere else because of how you look. And so- uh, You know, I'm sorry, Anne-Marie, before you, before you give the solutions here, I just wanna add one that surprised me because, sure. you know, we're talking about some of the more obvious ones with the slurs and such like that. And you're, you're getting into the area that, that surprised me when you're talking about where are you from because it's more subtle, right? But one that really surprised me was, uh, the, and it's so obvious now that you've explained it in your book, but in saying something like um, that may have a perception coming across of, oh, you're so articulate, right? But that's just, that's saying that there's an underlying um, expectation that they, that that's a surprise. And when it's, when you verbalize it that way or wrote it that way, I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally see now how that would be offensive, right? But I wouldn't have thought of that before. And that's why these conversations are important. So I wanted to add that one in there too. Now you, now you feel free to go into some solutions for that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, so again, the first thing is we need to be aware yeah. and we need to cultivate our awareness about, you know, what is a microaggression? What are some of the things that you should look for? And really we're looking for those underlying messages of you don't belong. Um, you don't have as much value, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The next thing we need to do is, is catch them, <laughs> you know, when, and, and so in every session I do, one of the things I love to talk to people about is um, paying attention to the monologue that's going on in our brain. We all have it. Mm-hmm. It's nattering on at us constantly, um, but, or, and um, we're not always paying attention to it. And so we, we do a lot of things on autopilot. So, you know, paying attention to that monologue where, when it starts to talk to us about other people and, those people right catching that and being like oh huh wow where did that come from you know because when we when we can catch it then we're more likely to 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 stop it (laughs) right 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 we can can understand what it is when we can identify it we can be like whoa i don't that's not the message i want to convey let me change my words let me change my action you know so um and then of course when we when we address them when we hear them from others or if they come out of our mouth and we address them, how lovely would that be, right? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just, wow, I can't believe I just said, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which we are probably less likely to do because it's embarrassing. But imagine the power of that conversation. If you were to, if you were to stop yourself and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Please, you know, please forgive me. I, that's not what I meant to say. And, and you know, backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anytime we have the opportunity to, speak up when we hear something like that or see a microaggression, right? If somebody's being um, invalidated uh, either verbally or because they're made to be invisible around a table, not being heard. If we point that out, then we're helping to raise other people's awareness in addition to helping the person on the receiving end of that microaggression to understand that we are in their corner, you know, that we have, that we are seeing them and the impact. That is really important. And thank you so much for clarifying that for everyone and how important the awareness is in being okay with that vulnerability, because that is really the only way to bridge to, to bridge the gap. Um, I think that's really important. I wanted to read something from the book that I thought was very powerful. I mean, the whole thing is, but, so, and then have you speak to it. So there's a, a section that says, 
Here's the crucial piece, however. Representation alone doesn't bring change. Inclusion is the piece we talk about talk less about and the piece that we should be highlighting. Because it's within an environment that acknowledges, values, respects, listens to, and creates space to hear from a diverse representation of employees and uses those insights and perspectives to do things differently where the benefits of diversity show up. And so that inclusion piece, I think is incredibly important. We have to go beyond what we think and just, oh, let's change the numbers. We have to, we have to really, the benefit comes from those insights and perspectives and the ability to, to embrace the diversity and learn and grow and do things differently and how that's going to improve every organization. Can you speak to this? Absolutely. Um, in fact, one of my favorite presentations to do is called I before D, why inclusion is the key to diversity. Mm. Because and, and, and what happens is that we, that what, and what I see very often is companies rush out to increase representation. And, and I'm not saying representation is not important. That is not what I'm saying, right? right. But, but we, what we want to do, what we need to do is cultivate an environment where people feel seen, heard, valued, acknowledged, so that all the benefits that we associate with diversity can actually happen in an organization or in a community or in a family, wherever, whatever you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because it's in, it's in creating an environment where people feel a sense of belonging, where they feel safe, where they feel like they're part of a community, that we will hear those different perspectives, where we will hear from somebody, you know what, this was painful, or this was hurtful, or this doesn't work for me, or, you know, in my experience, when we do X, Y happens, my, maybe we should consider this. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, there's so many examples in the media in recent years of, of advertisements gone horribly wrong. <laughs> I'm sure you can think of a few examples. Yes, yes. And, two, right? yep. and, and the first place we want, we may want to, we go is like, how did that happen? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like what? Like how Who could wasn't you wasn't paying attention around that advertising committee meeting? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it, it's so obvious for us when we see the faux pas out loud in the world, right? And the reaction from people. Yeah, but it's not always obvious to us when we're sitting around those tables. If we don't have a lived experience that would suggest, uh oh, red flag. Yeah. So the first place we might go after that is, huh, there was nobody there. There's no representation at that table. So they didn't get they didn't get the benefit of that insight. Well, there's it's quite possible that there's representation at that table. But if that person doesn't feel safe to speak up or they've spoken up in the past and they've been disregarded or, or you know, what they had to say wasn't taken up, then they'll 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 might be more silent next time or and not talk at all. And so we can't always assume that it's not representation. It very well could be the environment. So that is crucial. You need to work on the environment so that the people that you already have are feeling able to contribute and be all of who they are, and the people that you're inviting in can contribute and be all of who they are. You know, I think this is fantastic, Anne-Marie, because this is this is an actionable thing that, that people can think about. Like, how can we create a safe space for everyone to feel included with whatever diverse um, opinions and perspectives there are? And that's something that people can really strive toward within an organization. Absolutely. And keeping in mind that safety is going to look different for different people, right? Mm -hmm. we, come, we come with various identities that intersect and overlap. Mm -hmm. um, so what we need is going to be different history and how history has impacted our experience 
and, and the systems that we exist and work and live in is also important. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So just saying, oh, this is a safe place doesn't yeah. actually make it such. No, it does not. Right. Okay. You know what? Let's, let's actually um, dive into this. Let's talk about sexual identity as well and where, where that might fit in. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where my mind went. So one of your mind, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, you know, you may be aware of positive space, right? LGBTQ two SI plus positive space or the acronym. There's many different acronyms, but, um, you know, by showing, uh, sometimes organizations have stickers that they put up of rainbow flags, um, to show that the space is LGBTQ two SI plus inclusive. And that stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, um, two spirit, queer, and intersex mm-hmm. for the listeners that don't know. Um, so the, the idea is we want to let folks um, from LGBTQ2SI communities know that the space is safe um, because those are identities that are not always visible, like skin color, right? Um, folks from those communities, we can fly under the radar really easily, mm-hmm. sometimes, not always. Um, what that means is that uh, in a situation where you may not think anybody from those communities is present, there may be things that happen that are homophobic or transphobic or biphobic, um, which compromises the safety, obviously, of folks from LGBTQ2SI plus communities. Because of that invisibility, and I think anybody would, would it does this with, from any group, but especially because of that invisibility, um, what we find is, is that we're looking for cl- we're looking for clues that the space is safe, and so um, LGBTQ two SI plus safe. So with that in mind, those safe space stickers, the rainbow flags, can be a clue that a space is safe for queer folks. We use the word queer a lot in Canada, so mm-hmm. I'm going to use that. Um, what happens though? What I see often is that people want to put up the stickers to show their support, but they haven't done the work. So mm. what happens when I walk into a space and your employee doesn't really get what it means to be queer and, and how to create that safe space and, and says something or does something, or I'm not, I don't feel welcome because of how another customer is, is responding to me, but nothing is said by the staff, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to make, so, so the intention to create safe space is amazing. Yeah. The work to create safe space has to happen before we announce you know, that we're, that we're a safe space because we want people to have the experience that we're suggesting they can have by being in that space. That's a really good point. You have to do the work first. Yeah. mm -hmm. And that, and that work is never done. You know, we're always going to learn something new, something more to add to that, to how safe to our commitment to create safer space. Mm -hmm. And I use the word safer because um, we can't always guarantee hundred percent safety. Right. But we're always striving to make spaces safer. Um, so that is a continual journey. We'll always learn something new. We'll always find out something more to make the space safer. So we're not waiting until we have it like down pat. (laughs) Right. right. That will never happen. That's like saying that you're, you're just going to get complacent about anything in life. Right. It's a, it's a a process. Yeah, exactly. It's a process, but we want to be, we want to have started that process and be engaged in that process before we start putting up in this case, the, you know, the rainbow stickers to, to let folks know that that's what they can expect. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Now with the title of my podcast being from fear to fire, 
I mm. always ask guests about a fear or a challenge that they've experienced that they've learned from. Your whole book is an <laughs> example of this. Um, so I'm going to first recommend that everybody go out and get the book. Um, but can you share like one of those here for people? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to share one that's in the book per se, because writing the book was a huge fear for me. Well, I'm sure. Putting it out in the world was a huge fear for me. Just, you know, what's the response going to be? What's the reaction going to be? And, and honestly, I'm more fearful of the reaction from folks of color. Really? Yes, because well, of my, that thought process. Well, because for me, I have a, I have a history as a biracial individual of never feeling black enough. Mm. And so I'm particularly sensitive to the approval, the recognition, the acknowledgement of black individuals and individuals mm. of color. Because I've never felt black enough, equal, good enough, right? Yeah. So, so you know, that's 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 huge for me in putting out a book like this. And I and I mentioned that in the the very first pages, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did I overcome it? <laughs> like, um, have we? Are we? So it's a process, right? It's the journey. Go ahead, keep going. It's, in, it's definitely in process, but mm -hmm. you know, the journey that I that I share in the book has been my journey to just sinking in and acknowledging and loving who I am as not black and not white, but both and and being okay with that. That was that's been a fifty year journey. Mm -hmm. You know, and I um, yeah. I love the the final um, the final poem. There are poems for those of you listening. If you you haven't, the book is just launching, so you haven't read it yet. But there are these these lovely um, sections interspersed throughout. That would you feel comfortable reading something from the book, Anne Marie? Absolutely, and I, I think I want <laughs> I'll add to you add to your question from before that. Yeah. putting poems in the book was another fear, right? Really? Absolutely. It's a book for leadership. And I'm like, poems. Oh, oh come on. They're read. fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. But thank you. Thank you. That, but, but it's, but it's, it's unusual, yeah. right? Yeah. It's unusual. And so, you know, a big part of this for me has been acknowledging who I am. I'm a poet. I write poetry. It's how I, it's how my heart speaks. It's, it's the quickest way to my, my emotions and my soul. Mm -hmm. And I wanted this book to be meaningful. And and, and rather than make it an intellectual exercise, I wanted there to be this emotion in there. And so I, I had to put them in, but man, did I struggle with that. Oh, well, I'm and, glad you did. <laughs> so, you know, so I, the fire is, is in process, it's growing. I think um, doing this and, and, and launching the book is going to stoke it. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, I, and I have no, um, no illusions that it's that the journey is over in terms of conquering fear or, or stepping through walking through fear. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm just going to say, hey, cool job there adding in some fire terminology for my benefit. Thank, Thank you. you. I love that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so what what one would you I want you to pick a piece that you'd like to read? Okay. Well, I will read um, She Hugged Me and I Cried. Mm. Um, that's one of my, I mean, I remember uh, that one is it's beautiful. I, I'm so glad you chose it. Yeah. It's because, and, and the reason I'm, I want to read this one is because it was sort of, it was at the, at the beginning of the crack, you know, the cracking open mm -hmm. that, that has brought me to this place. So, so here it is. She hugged me and I cried and the, the bracketed title is why representation is important. 
Um, oh, would you like me to give the backstory? Sure. Shall I? Um, it, it tells you a little bit in the in the poem, but I was at a workshop um, run by Candy Barone, who you probably know from. Yes, EPC. I know Candy. And um, and so this is what this is an experience that I had at this particular workshop with one particular person. Um, and uh, <laughs> to set the context, at the beginning of the workshop, uh, we were all going around the room introducing ourselves, and um, and the one African American person in the room. So I'm, I'm biracial and Canadian. Um, this individual was African-American introduced herself and, and just said, you know, when I came here, I had to think about like, how much energy do I have? Am I going to be the only person of color in the room? The only African-American in the room? Like, how is that going to feel? And then I, I, she walked in, she recounts and she saw somebody from the back who had very, um, what we call kinky hair. And she had, she said she had a moment of, oh, maybe I won't be alone. And my colleague in the room looked at me with this quizzical expression, like, what about you? And out loud, I said, don't look at me, I'm not African-American, like out loud, if you can imagine, in a, in a workshop, with no context, like nobody else had the context. I don't know if anybody else saw the look that I was given by my friend. Um, and so everything stopped and I was embarrassed. And, and the, the, the woman who was presenting, you know, she gave me a quizzical look. And then, and then she continued, um, you know, but I stayed away from her for the two days oh. because I felt so conspicuous, um, felt all that um, shame that I, that I have carried around with me about not being black enough that I, that I purposely stayed away from her until the end when Candy had us do heart to heart hugs and we had to hug everybody. Mm -hmm. ah, so that's the backstory to this yeah. poem, just so everybody understands what, you know, the, what happened before okay. and can sink in a little bit with me. So here we go. She hugged me and I cried. I didn't want to hug her, but I had to. It was part of the workshop closing. So I saved her for last, hardly looked at her as I walked closer. But when I got close and my arms landed around her shoulders, I sunk in, held on, felt all the hugs I never had from my grandmother, from my aunties. I felt what it was like to be held tightly to be safe, to be home. I cried for all the hugs I have missed, will never have, but for which my soul longs. It's beautiful. Thank you. You know, I, I, um, I would love to just sit with this, <laughs> with this moment for it. So for those of you who are thinking, why isn't she talking? I just wanted to give a, a moment of silence for that to sink in for people because I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of people, no matter their, their race, their culture, their political beliefs, their sexual identity, whatever it may be, have felt what you felt in writing that. Um, so I thank you for sharing it. And I, and I suspect that there are some of you out there who are dying for Anne-Marie to share where you can get a copy of her book, I bet, right? This is, this is a powerful book. Anne-Marie, could you, could you share a little bit about how people can reach you? Um, I'll also put uh, links in the show notes for everyone. There's a special two that Anne-Marie would like to offer up to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Heather. So folks can find me at annemarieschrouder.com. 
not very creative. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the name of the website and, and my company. Mm -hmm. um, and so they can, they can find me there and, uh, and we'll, you'll share the link, the special link for the book um, in the, in the comments, as you mentioned, so they can. That's, hmm? that's for, we have a special of what, 99 cents for yeah, a, yeah. a one week, right? So the next few, yeah, for the next six days, there'll be a 99 cents ebook uh, special mm -hmm. um, for folks. So you can, uh, you know, go to that link and um, get get the download or get the purchase the, the e-version from your yeah. favorite supplier. Uh, that's my gift. That's my gift to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for the next few days. And awesome. uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it here with you today. Oh my goodness. And I, I appreciate you so much. And, you know, we're, we're, we're past time because we, I'm having, you know, I think this is a really important conversation, but I do want to come back to you to see what you recommend as an important thought or action that today's leader should or could shift to be a better example. Ooh, big question. Good question. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about vulnerability in leadership. Mm -hmm. um, but I would add to that vulnerability that we need to be aware of how our identity impacts our leadership, who we see, who we miss, who we lean into, who we lean away from. Um, and if we can do that, then we will have more of an opportunity to ask good questions, better questions, and create safety for folks who are not like us. Which, help, which will help to have these conversations. And it's the conversations, the continual dialogue that can help lead to action because we'll understand more. Mm, I love that. That is so, so important. We start with awareness so we can ask the right questions and open those lines of communication, create those bridges that you mentioned before. I love this. Thank you so much for spending the time. Is there any last burning words of wisdom that you'd like to share today, Anne-Marie? I think I'm good, Heather. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. And for those of you who are listening, please share this episode, open the lines of communication, bridge the gap. Thank you all. Have a beautiful day.